I will welcome everyone to CFRC 101.9 FM. I'm Joel Sindel and with me today is Devin Stewart, the old outreach officer and newly appointed unit director of Queen's First Aid. Welcome, Devin. Well, thanks for having me, Joel. Yeah, great to be on. And so what makes someone el eligible to apply for Queen's First Aid? Because I know that uh, hiring is going on right now, the spring hiring. So what kind of makes someone eligible for that? Yeah, great question. So typical year, we've actually changed up the eligibility for this application period. So now to apply, you can have an invalid or a valid CPRC and standard first aid certification. Um, on top of that, you can also show us like your proof of enrollment in a course for this spring hiring, because obviously it's been super hard to get recertified or get signed up for first aid courses in the like past couple months. Um, our kind of our outlook for this hiring is we want to make it as accessible for everyone to apply that is interested. So then over the summer, we can then help them get their standard first aid certifications or get their recertifications. So then in the, come the fall, we can get them all trained up with our AMFR course, which is like the prerequisite um, from SFA CPRC, if that makes sense. So to be eligible to apply, honestly, like anyone and everyone, we encourage everyone to apply. You have no specific background, no experience needed. You just need to have, like I said, like it can be an invalid, it can be like an expired or it can be a valid um, standard first aid CPRC certification. Awesome. So yeah, you were talking about how it's a, uh, mostly anyone can apply. You just need your standard first aid. Uh, so in case someone might not completely understand, does someone need a, like previous experience or be kind of in a sciencey doctory kind of uh, major to apply or no? Two words. Absolutely not. Like that is exactly, we, we want to kind of break that stigma, I guess, that we are just like the pre-meds or we are the nurses like that's not what we are we have the strength and our diversity and honestly there is no experience needed um that's the great thing that i think about queen's first aid especially too is it is like we provide the trainings to you you just got to be interested in kind of like our services and you got to be able to like i guess act in that position so like there is absolutely no experience needed you don't need to be like in sports medicine before you don't need to have like hospital experience nothing like that you can be absolutely any major and absolutely any background and We'll take you on. Yeah, I know some people on the unit that one is a philosophy major, one is an English major. So it really doesn't matter um, what kind of background you have. It, as you said, it's just kind of you need your stand first aid and apply. Why not? Yeah, exactly. You can you can teach first aid skills. You can't teach people skills. We're just looking for awesome people. Exactly. Um, and so what is the hiring process like if someone is interested in applying? Yeah. Great question. So every year, even like in our online COVID format, it's always three rounds of our application. So the first round, like as you mentioned, is open now, which you can find. It's a written application. You can find it on our website, queensfirstaid.com. Um, so it's just like, it's your basic written application. It's a little, it kind of helps us to get to know you a little bit. And also you can get to figure out more about us because there's a lot of information on that form as well too, about the hiring procedure and about Queens First Aid itself. Um, so the first round is a written application. Um, successful applicants from the written application will be invited to an interview taking place the week after. The interview, again, in, in typical years, will be take, taking place in the Gray House, but this year it's online on Zoom. Um, the interview will be just typical interview questions, trying to more get us to know you a little bit more, trying to dive into your psyche a little bit and see if it is a good fit both for you and both for us. And then successful applicants from there will be taken to the third round application, which that is more of like a skills-based training day, if we can like put it that sense. So once we get there, it is, it's, it's kind of like a, like I said, you don't need any experience in, in first aid, you don't need experience in that. It is a big test of 
seeing in different situations, like seeing the way you converse with people or seeing like how you can like de diffuse conflict or things like that too. So it's more of like a situational based training day. Like you will need to like prep yourself on your standard first aid skills, which we will have a, a previous training, um, training, what would I say, training meeting or training situation um, from those six successful second round applicants who are transitioning to the third round to get like kind of a refresher day, let's say that. That's a good word. A good. refresher day, a first aid refresher. Um, for everyone who will get kind of like up to speed, kind of like where we want to see where your base first aid skills are at. And then from there, we'll see how you can apply those in like situations. Yeah, so it's three rounds every year. Um, online format is, it's the same three round format, but everything is online. So you don't have to be in Kingston this semester to apply, like we said, because you just have to have Wi-Fi connection, a computer, a Zoom account. That's pretty much all you need and then bring yourself. So, yeah. Awesome, sounds like a, a pretty fun and daunting process. Um, and you were talking a little bit earlier about uh, the online kind of how things have changed up a little bit. How has QFA kind of adopted like an online approach in view of COVID? Yeah, so unfortunately this year we haven't been able to return on calls so our services aren't currently being provided because obviously you can't you can't put on a band-aid over a zoom call but um so the way but the way we've shifted to an online approach is we have shifted to an online hiring period and we held it on two consecutive online hiring periods in this past fall in september um which we thought were extremely successful as well like changing all of like our goals and everything we were looking for in our applicants into an online format. And again, testing those first aid skills in and on that format as well. Um, so we've transitioned hiring to an online format, which is again, why I'm here promoting our hiring. But um, also with our new rookies that we hired from there and with our current and returning unit members, we've transitioned our trainings to an online format as well too. And we've delivered more online trainings. Um, we've, we've even held, we usually call, we call them pod trainings. So when new rookies are hired, they get trained into an advanced medical first responder. Um, usually it's an 80 hour, two weekend thing. Um, and in between the two weekends, we'll have our pod trainings, which is just like the whole unit getting involved, helping everyone out, trying to like help these rookies, like really like flush out and shape out like the first aid abilities. So then they can pass the aim of our training and become like successful responders and start responding um, like, like no responder, I guess. Um, so we did transition those pod trainings to online as well too. We had some of our unit members um, act as pod leaders and we broke it in groups and we worked through different situations with our rookies. And then once, I guess, once public health permits, we will obviously then refresh all of ourselves, hopefully in the coming year on all of our practical in-person skills or hands-on skills, and then help our rookies also transition to returning to call. Sounds like a really thought out approach to uh, adopting into an online format, but a less away from kind of the process, what is the actual, what is your actual favorite part about being on Queen's First Aid? Yeah, well, favorite part or you want multiple parts? What would you like for me? Uh, whatever you want to get across, really. Whatever get across, cool. Well, I guess I've kind of talked about QFA as a, as a whole a little bit. Um, QFA really is the people it is, as much as it is our service we provide like the environment of growth, the environment of helping each other and the environment of learning, it really does promote and help our services succeed, if that makes sense. Um, so I think like being around those people, like I joined Queens for State in my first year here at Queens. Um, I'm, I'll be going into my fourth year next year. And like, it has been some of the most driven individuals, some of the most laid back individuals. It is, it is genuinely a great group of individuals that all come together with this kind of shared common interest of providing a service to the community, being a bit of that safety net for the Queen students and Queen's general population. 
And it is like Queens for State, as much as acting as a first responder is a super empowering and super awesome thing to be able to like take on as an undergrad experience. Um, being around the people, like the environment of QFA really is one of the biggest things, one of the biggest highlights for me because it is such a positive and learning environment. Awesome. I think that's a pretty great answer on that. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it seems like a great experience to have. It seems like kind of like a, a family over there rather than just a, just a club or a kind of a job kind of thing. So it's great to hear. And it, I hopefully that piques the interest of some people, uh, some students, <clears throat> but uh, for some people that don't know exactly what's going on over in Queens first aid, what does a day in the life of a Queens first responder look like? Just maybe a few points. Yeah, for sure. So I will answer this with the prototypical in a typical year, because obviously we're not on we're not on call right now. But um, when we do return to services, we are a 24-7 on call on campus service. So we do work overnights. That's kind of what I'm getting at there a little bit. So your base res your base response as a responder is you're scheduled to one shift a week. Typically, you can get scheduled to more depending on the size of our units with options to pick up any weekend shifts if you'd like to. So weekend shifts aren't scheduled. Um, over the course of the semester, you are required to work on average of six hours a week, which is works out to about one shift a week and then maybe a weekend shift here or there. Um, but the great thing about it is you can be on call while going to class or anything like that. So um, the, the only time you can't be on call is if like you're in a lab or some place that you can't be leaking. Like you can't be like in the gym. You can't be, we have our S rules. Like you can't be sweating and you can't be doing this. You can't be in labs and things like that. But I guess the day in the life going back to the question is, like say if I'm working, let's say an 8 a.m. So usually depending if you're a supervisor or a responder, you'll work shorter or longer shifts. But our transitions in the morning on weekdays take a, um, take over at 8 a.m. So you can still attend like your 8.30 lecture if you have one. Show up to the gray house, you get in your uniform, you you work over to the transition with the previous people who are on the overnight shift. You like go through your pack check, you go through your radio check, make sure you have your radios working, make sure you have all the equipment that you need. You get in your uniform, make sure you're wearing, if you're going to wear a jacket, one of the Queens for State uniforms, you always have to be outer layer, Queens for State. Um, and then you can like, you can go about your day. You can't leave our campus boundaries. So our boundaries, we do respond within certain boundaries, like Earl Street North, the water on the, on the south, Collinwood on the west. And like, was it Bagot on the east, the one that goes straight down? Something that? like that, yeah. One of those ones, it's right on city parks, like our boundary there. So you have to stay on the boundaries, but you can like attend lectures. Um, if you do get a call in the middle of the lecture, your radio is going to go off while your classmates will kind of give you a bit of a look. So usually we sit kind of at the back of the room with our big backpacks and everything. But um, you just quietly leave the lecture. You'll take the radio call, attend the call, whatever it is, and come back, whatever it is. Um, most of the time, if we're not um, if we're not in lecture or whatever it is, we're hanging out in the Gray House. So right on, I guess it's the southeast corner of Victoria Hall there, there's that old Victorian style house. Um, that's the gray house. That's kind of our headquarters. That's our home base. Um, above, upstairs, like we have a nice couch, like lounge area where we can hang out, computer, desk space. We'll do, we'll do work in there. We'll do homework. Come, some of our like responders who aren't on call, they'll come hang out. Um, we also take walk-ins at the gray house too, which is always great to have at least like one responder usually at the gray house because um, people will walk in, say, scrape their knee on the road, whatever, walk in, whatever it is. So there's plethora. There's a good word. There's a plethora of reasons people can come in for walk-ins. So and then I guess going from the other side of things, shift change, like people will come take you off. You should show up 15 minutes before you shift, kind of like talk about debrief, what's going on with the shift change, see if there's anything going on that night, make sure like they have everything going on, make sure both people have transitioned over and then you can go about your day. Like overnights, like I said too, 
Um, you can sleep overnight. We have overnight rooms. We have beds in the gray house. Um, you just kind of leave your radio on max volume and you just kind of sleep in your shirt. And if you get a call, you throw in your pants and run over to it. But yeah, it's it's honestly like it's it, it sounds like a huge time commitment. It sounds like a big, scary thing. But six hours a week. Ooh, that's super scary. But no, it's not. It's it's honestly a super chill commitment. It's some of my favorite times as well to be on campus. It kind of forces you to study. For everyone who might be a procrastinator out there thinking about applying, like it definitely forcing you to be on campus or forcing you into a workspace. Like you can, you can also be in the, in the library for on call too, but maybe be cognizant of where your radio is. Maybe don't be going to those super quiet rooms, but like the Harry Potter room at the top of Douglas, maybe don't go to that one. But yeah, I guess if that answers your question, I don't know that that paint a picture that was a bit of a ramble, but. Um, yeah, no, I think it was it was more than more than adequate. Uh, yeah, definitely. If you're uh, on call, maybe not go to a library uh, or one of the super quiet ones, because if your radio goes off, you might get some dirty looks uh, over there. But uh, yeah, so you kind of talked about the day in the life of a, of a Queen's first responder. But how since joining in first year, how has it kind of helped your undergraduate experience by joining Queen's First Aid? Yeah, well, I guess I'll tie that into uh, your question earlier about like, my favorite part about QFA. Um, like I said, I, I joined the unit right at the end of my first year and I'm a first year coming in. I'm not from Ontario. I'm like trying, trying to find my place in the world, I guess a little bit, you know, and everyone's trying to like join here, do this, kind of find their identity a little bit, big transition from high school. I know it's people talk about it, but it's cliche is cliche. It is true. Um, I think like what's helped me most definitely like starting off with like this, because you, you are around, you're around second years, around th third years, fourth years, we have PhD students, we have master's students, like you're around like such a stratified group of people that you have like this, I guess, again, to use the word, a plethora of perspectives and like different experiences and different backgrounds. Like you mentioned, we have people in philosophy, English, Con Ed, everything like that. So um, it is, I think that's something that's really helped me is grow as a person, um, as much as like learning the first aid skills and like being able to like self-reflect how I like deal in stressful situations and how I deal with blood, for example, or things like that too. Like that is a huge personal growth and like self-reflection aspect. But I think, I guess probably the biggest thing that QFA has helped is being around all these like-minded people, all these amazing people, all these people of like different ages around me too, like both older and younger now too, since I've been on the unit for a few years now too. So it's it's definitely like, it, like you said, it is, it is a bit of a family to use that word, but it's it's definitely a really cool aspect to be able to interact with everyone from different backgrounds, just everyone from different ages, everyone from different areas, whatever it is, all kind of for a shared common goal. And yeah, we have fun socials too, if you're interested in those things as well too. We've, that's one thing, I guess, going back to your question about how we approach to online are, we have like a group of social coordinators in our units, like help unit camaraderie, unit mental health and everything like that. And we have transitioned to hopefully our new rookies and everyone would agree that it, they were some decently fun online socials, but at least I can say that. I, that's a great response. Uh, it would make me want to join the unit if I heard that, definitely. Uh, but say someone has been listening to all of this and is like, oh, geez, I really want to join now. Where should they go? Like, how can they apply? What's the best approach? Yeah. So this is like when you bring someone on a late show, like late night show and they can plug their movie. This is, this is my moment to plug my uh, applications. Exactly. Um, so yeah, for everyone out there listening, I guess. So our website's www.queensfirstaid.com. We have a tab 
on the top, it's called Join QFA. You can read a bit more about the application process. At the bottom of it, there's an apply now button. It'll take you to the written application. Um, make sure to get those written applications in before the 19th at midnight. So was that eight days now? So next Friday at midnight Eastern. Um, that's when that first round written applications are due. If you have any questions, like at any time throughout the application, feel free to email me at chief at queensfirstaid.com. I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Any questions, whatever it is, if maybe clarifications of one of my comments about the, the valid SFA certification, whatever it is, or if you're even interested in knowing more, I'd be happy to tell you about anything. So that's it, I guess. You take go, go to the website, check out the written application. You can also check out the, um, the link in our Instagram bio, which is just our Instagram's Queen's First Aid, and that, get that written application in before next Friday at midnight. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Devin, for coming on today and talking about Queen's First Aid. A great opportunity. Yeah, no, thanks so much for having me, Joel. It's great to be here. All right. And thanks for anyone listening in to CFRC 101.9 FM. That was Devin Stewart, the newly appointed unit director of Queen's First Aid. If you have any interest in joining or just finding more information about the club, uh, visit queensfirstaid.com. The written applications are due March 19th at midnight. So make sure to start working on those now because they're only eight days away. And Devin has also graciously offered to answer any questions. So his email, it, once again, is chief at queensfirstaid.com. And once again, thank you for listening in to CFRC 101.9 FM. Have a great rest of your day, folks. your weekly traffic report for the week of March 14th to 21st brought to you by CFRC in the city of Kingston. Road closures are in place this week on Garrett Street near Division closed until June 30th for construction staging. Local traffic may access Garrett Street from University Avenue. Grenadier Drive at Winfield Crescent expect delays while construction takes place around the Kingston East Community Center site. Flag people will be on site to direct traffic. Highway 15, southbound paved shoulder of Craftsman, expect crews to be working at the site until 5 p.m. March 19th to construct a storm sewer outfall. Highway 33, east of Collins Creek Bridge to west of Coronation Boulevard, expect delays due to construction to improve drainage. Construction barrels and flag people will direct traffic around the work zone. Jackson Mills Road near the Campy Trail, reduced to one lane for roadside safety improvements, but remains open in both directions. Counter Street, Princess to Indian, expect delays until the summer of 2021 while crews construct a new four-lane road and rail overpass. King Street, Collingwood to Lower University, expect delays over the next few weeks as utilities Kingston crews replace hydro poles in the area. Highway 15 at Gore, expect short delays as pieces of the main span of the bridge arrive over the next few months. Trucks expected to arrive after morning rush hour will turn off Highway 401 onto Highway 15 and then onto Gore to reach the bridge's job site at the Cataraki River. Along Counter Street and Sir John A. McDonald Boulevard, expect short delays as large trucks carrying bridge girders up to 150 feet long arrive over the next few months. Trucks are expected in the early afternoon and will turn onto Sir John A. McDonald's from Highway 401 and then turn east onto Counter Street to get to the bridge site at the Cataraki River. Each truck will have a cart escorts to guide it. And that's it for your weekly traffic report. For traffic and other news updates, visit 
cfrc.ca slash news. Have a great rest of your week, folks. Good evening, folks. We're back and you're listening to The Scoop on CFRC 101.9 FM. Just a little COVID update for you folks. We are at 27 active cases of today. Our numbers have not changed over the past few days, but just remember that you can go to kflaph.ca and you can check the status of cases um, in the Kingston area. And now you can also check vaccination numbers as well, which is really great. Speaking of um, vaccinations for COVID-19, the Provincial Online Vaccine Booking Tool is available as a today, Monday, March 15th, to register adults 80 years of age and older, which is born 1941 or earlier, and Booking Online offers the fastest access to available clinic appointments. You can go to Ontario.ca slash book vaccine, and if you require assistance with booking or if you have any questions about COVID-19 vaccines, you can call one 888 999-6488. They're open daily from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. The online booking tool is simple, fast, and easy to use. The tool will guide you through a few questions, gather consent, and choice of clinic, booking date, and time. The provincial online booking tool and customer service desk will provide the capacity needed to accept bookings from a large volume of individuals at one time. We know that everyone is eager to receive the vaccine, but we are asking those not yet eligible to avoid accessing the booking tool or calling the service desk. Vaccine clinic appointments between March 22nd and April 18th will be available initially in KFLNA for online booking through Ontario.ca slash book vaccine by eligible residents, aka those 80 years of age and older. More appointments will become available based on the supply of vaccines. As eligible priority groups are vaccinated, the province will announce the next eligible population in accordance with the three-phased vaccine distribution plan. To book online at Ontario.ca slash book vaccine, eligible residents will need Government of Ontario Green Photo Health Card, their birth date, postal code, and your email address or phone number. The provincial online booking tool will verify your eligibility to book an appointment for vaccination based on this information and will then take you to the scheduling system. At the time of booking, eligible individuals will schedule their first and second vaccination appointments. Please do not call KFLNA Public Health's main line to book an appointment. If you do not have a health card, phone number, or email address, please call 343-477-0172. That's 343-477-0172, and that line is open Monday to Friday from 8.30 to 4.30 p.m. A trusted family member or a friend can book on your behalf. The online vaccine booking tool allows for someone to book your vaccination appointments, to book your appointments, they will just need your Government of Ontario Green Photo Health Card, your birth date, postal code, and email address or phone number. The online vaccine booking tool allows you to see all available dates and times under each clinic location, and you are free to select whichever appointment fits your schedule. Only individuals who are eligible and who have booked an appointment will get their vaccine at the clinic. You will be turned away from the clinic if your age group is not eligible. And don't forget to be prepared for your appointment. Screen for symptoms of COVID-19. Arrive no more than 10 minutes before your appointment. Bring your health card. Complete the consent form. Wear a short sleeve t-shirt and wear a face covering. As KFL and Day Public Health and Community Partners continue to offer COVID-19 to 
COVID-19 vaccines to eligible groups, all residents are asked to be patient. If you are not yet eligible, consider assisting family and friends who are, especially adults 80 years of age and older, who may not have online access or be comfortable booking online appointments. Like I said before, please do not contact KFLNA Public Health's mainline to inquire about booking appointments, vaccine information, or to check eligibility requirements. For more up-to-date information on COVID-19, you can visit kflaph.ca slash coronavirus or ontario.ca slash coronavirus. In other news, Dr. Kieran Moore on Friday, March 12th announced that there was an exposure to COVID-19 on Kingston Transit Bus Route 2. So if you traveled on March 3rd from route on Route 2 from Division Street northbound leaving downtown at 4 p.m. to the area of Division Street and Highway 401 at 420, and if you traveled on March 7th, Route 2, Kingston Center southbound leaving Division Street and Highway 401 area at 5.30 and arriving to the area of KGH at 6.05 p.m. KFL and Day Public Health is unable to identify all the riders on the route and is issuing a public notice to assist with contact tracing. This is a low-risk exposure to the public. However, if you have traveled on the identified routes, KFLNA Public Health recommends to monitor symptoms for 14 days after the date of your last exposure. A list of symptoms are located on their website, which is kflaph.ca. You can test for COVID-19 seven days from your last exposure, even if you do not have any symptoms. If symptoms of COVID-19 develop, self-isolate from others immediately and arrange for testing. And if you do not have symptoms, you are not required to self-isolate. If you are currently experiencing symptoms, self-isolate immediately and seek an appointment for testing at the COVID-19 Community Assessment Center. Kingston Transit continues to adhere to all public health measures and are committed to protecting the health and safety of passengers as well as staff. And just a note for any Queen students who are listening, um, with all the St. Patrick's Day kind of commotion going on, don't forget to monitor for symptoms as well. And Mitchell Hall is available. There is a COVID-19 satellite assessment center right on campus at 69 Union Street um, in Mitchell Hall at Student Wellness. So you can call and book an appointment um, if you need to, if you develop symptoms. Um, And it's not a bad idea just given all the kind of outbreaks that are happening around Queen's campus. For folks who are unaware, there was an outbreak in Queen's residence. um, And there are also students who are impacted off campus as well. And all those who are of immediate concern have been informed and are isolating and following proper protocols as put out in a news release by Queen's University last week on Thursday, March 11th. Queen's provost and vice principal of academics said Mark Green said that this is a very concerning development and we are working closely with KFLNA Public Health to ensure the health and safety of our community is protected. The university has strict protocols in place to cope with an outbreak in residence, and we are actively executing that plan to mitigate further spread and ensure the safety of all our students, staff, and faculty. The residence was identified as Watts Hall, and the affected students are residents of the same floor. The residence has been locked down, and all students on the affected floor have been moved to an isolation residence. All students living in residences must follow a strict protocol which involves limited interaction with others and masks and physical distancing when not in their rooms. The university has also enhanced cleaning protocols in place and strict rules around dining and food safety. KFL and Day Public Health continues to investigate and conduct contact tracing. Testing of the students is being done on campus and will also determine if the outbreak is associated with a variant of concern. It is believed that the initial case may be the result of recent travel outside of the KFL and Day, Hastings and Prince Edward counties and Leeds, Grenville and Lanark regions. Dr. Kieran Moore says that we are asking anyone who develops symptoms, even mild symptoms, to get tested and self-isolate while waiting for results. 
What the increased in transmission risk of COVID-19 variants of concern, it is more important than ever to stay local and to avoid travel or having guests from outside our region. KFL and Day Public Health has advised all students to stay at home and to avoid gatherings with others outside their own household. If people need to interact with others, they are reminded to use face coverings, physical distance by staying six feet apart, and follow all current health guidelines. The KHSC Satellite COVID-19 Assessment Center located on campus is now open. Located at Mitchell Hall, the center offers COVID-19 testing to students Monday to Friday from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Testing is available to Queen students who have traveled outside of the region, have had visitors from outside of the region, and have moved to the region in the last 14 days, or those who require testing for contact tracing purposes, even if asymptomatic. To book an appointment, please call Student Wellness Services at 613-533-2506. There's also the COVID-19 Assessment Center at the Beach Grove Complex at 51 Heeks Lane, Kingston, and that's open from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. by appointment only. For more updates in regards to COVID-19 cases at Queen's University, you can go to queensu.ca slash COVID info and you can find a list of all the different cases that have popped up. We had 20 cases last week, but hopefully these numbers will start going down. There were 10 in residence and 10 off campus. So don't forget, folks, to just stay safe, um, practice physical distancing, wear your mask, and limit your travel outside of the region. But that's all we, that we have today for you folks on The Scoop. We hope that you enjoyed this segment. Thank you so much for tuning in to not only the show, but CFRC 101.9 FM, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to The Scoop, produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples.